Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I, I got thinking about it. That only means something to me. It's not going to mean anything to all of you. Uh, so I, I, living in the overflow is better. Are we living in the overflow? Uh, this church lives in the overflow, and, and I'm blessed to be a part of it. Uh, Pat and I love your pastor and his wife, our pastor now and his wife, and, and we love his preaching, we love his humor. Um, I've been around the world. I've preached in several different countries, and I've heard some of the best preachers, and I can attest to you, some may be as good, I guess, but few come any better than your pastor. And I'm just telling you the honest truth. Uh, sometimes we get familiar with things and, and we don't understand what we have and appreciate the things that we do have. Uh, you have a good man here. Uh, last week's message, as a matter of fact, was a masterpiece in unveiling the truths of, uh, of God's word about God not being through with Israel. Replacement theology. It, it, it's, that's a, that's a her, heretical uh, teaching. And, it, uh, and he just brought it out in a way that just, res, uh, just destroyed replacement theology. And, I, and the illustration he used about the wild olive tree and being grafted in was just brilliant. And I suggest to you, if you haven't, if you weren't here, you need to go back and you need to watch that again and get that under your cuff because uh, you're going to be hit with that, all these type of false doctrines in these end days. A pastor friend of mine and, and I always uh, joke about when we get to heaven, we're going to bring our own folding chairs uh, to sit in the throne room because we won't be uh, uh, talented enough or have been good enough to sit in the chairs up front, which will be reserved for uh, pastors that deserve those seats. And I can just see us now, right, sitting in the back in the nosebleed, in the nosebleed section, and we're going around, look up and go, hey, there's Pastor Horn up there. Maybe we can get over there and see him afterwards and slap his hands. Yeah, I know. Just sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all joking aside, pastors who've been pastoring a while have several messages they can give during Christmas uh, because they've been doing it for so long. But that's not going to happen today. It will be about the gift that, gifts that we have. Uh, but uh, it's something that God put on my heart uh, to preach here this morning, and it was also something that um, affected me deeply about a year and a half ago when I was down in Florida in a, in a dark room early in the morning, um, really crying out to God for help. So uh, I would like you to turn with me to Psalm 16, if you would. Psalm 16. I always have to, you have to bear with me because I'm a, I've had my eyes operated on and I have to get into good light in order to, uh, in order to read. In fact, if you would, I'd like you to stand with me while we read this. <clears throat> this made such an impact on me, I, I really want it to make an impact on you. Starting with verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another. 
another god, that drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The, now this is the key verse right here. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to seek corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are, there are pleasures forevermore. Father, I thank you for this church. And there be, may be someone in here today, Lord, that has not obeyed the gospel or believed our report. And we want them to be reached today, Lord. We want their hearts to be touched with the Word of God and with your presence that you have promised to us before the foundations of the world. I want their cups to overflow. So help me, Lord, to stand aside and let your beauty shine through me and through your Word into their hearts so that they can go away today with a blessing, something they can use in this coming year to bless others. And we'll just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have a confession to make, and that is, is that I have never preached this message before. Um, God put this on my heart, and I wrote this message, uh, like I said, a year and a half ago. Uh, and I've never preached it in any pulpit. So please cut me some slack, I guess, if I don't do that great a job today. But I think it will bless you. And I wrote this one day when I was struggling and pleading with God for help. Um, Unlike, you know, unlike some people that you know you think maybe get, have everything all in order and some people look at me in my life and think, boy, he's really blessed and everything's going on. I struggle just like everybody else with things at times where I have to really get on my knees and plead unto God. Now this psalm here has been called uh, the golden psalm. And, and David's, it's also called David's jewel. And it's also referred to as the notable song. So it's definitely a golden a masterpiece uh, at any, any way you want to look at it. It's also a precious jewel to wear. Uh, but I like it because it's a notable song to sing all year long. So it's a song worthy of singing at any season, at any event, uh, or any group of people, saved or unsaved. This is a good psalm to sing. Um, Spurgeon called it the psalm of the secret, or, or of the precious secret. That's what Spurgeon called it. And it pulled... It pulled me when I read this, and God uh, spoke to my heart in a dark morning. It just pulled me out of that miry clay of self-pity, and it put me back up on the rock of Jesus Christ. So it's an amazing psalm, and I think if you spend some time in the psalms, uh, you'll realize that throughout the psalms, they are, they are masterpieces on helping us get through really, really tough times. Amen. So the occasion for this psalm is uh, unclear, but most scholars think it pertains to David when he was fleeing from Saul, recorded in 1 Samuel uh, 23. And we know that uh, Saul pursued David to, to the point where it seemed David's life, life was over, uh, and yet David cries out here, 
The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. I remember standing in Israel on the spot where he cried out those, cried out those words. They wouldn't let us into the cave. Uh, but I was standing outside the cave and thought about all the things I had gone through through life and how God had brought me through them and then given me a platform uh, like I have today to stand before people and then preach his precious word and these precious blessings that, that come my way. And we know that God providentially, right, he, he delivered David. But what David said in verse 5 is just worth repeating. It's worth remembering. He said, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance of my, and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. He said, the Lord is. Did you hear that? The Lord is. He didn't say the Lord was. He didn't say the Lord will be, but the Lord is, present tense. So what's happening here is right in the middle of his crisis, he said, the Lord is my portion, the portion of his, of his inheritance, or the Lord is the content of his cup, and, and the Lord's going to maintain it. He's just going to keep it going. Isn't it amazing that right in the middle of it, he's praising God and he's worshiping his God, uh, sitting there in a cave, thinking that within days he's going to die. These are powerful words for us to remember, especially during the holiday season. And, I, when, and the reason I say that is because a lot of people this season are going to go through their first Christmas without somebody they love because they just lost them uh, to some disease like COVID, to some accident, you know, to some, uh, an old age thing. It doesn't matter, but somebody's lost somebody they love to de- in, in coming into the season. And it's not going to be the same Christmas that they've had in years past. So these are powerful words for us during seasons like this. And I'm not talking about COVID either, especially during holiday season when a nation is currently under a crisis. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I mean, I, I'm talking about a moral and spiritual collapse like this nation has never seen since, since its inception. We are doing things that are as evil, <laughs> as far away from God as you could possibly imagine, even in all of history. And that's really, really scary for some people. And New York, by the way, is right at the top of it all. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's, that's what's awful for me, is that here we are, we're sitting in a state that's the Sodom and Gomorrah of America right now. And, and I don't just mean talking about homosexuality, that type of stuff. I'm talking about everything we do here is totally against what Christ would want us to do here in this state. And it brings me down. But David's word meant God was keeping his cup full, right? And maintained it right through the crisis that he was in. And he can do the same for us this morning. Now David referred to inheriting the land of his forefathers. He would no doubt inherit land upon the death of his father. But that really wasn't that important to David at that moment. I mean, we must all understand that. He was expecting to die. What good would an inheritance come from his daddy if he's going to be dead in just a few minutes when Saul finds him and kills him. David was rather, though, he was celebrating the inheritance he already had in his Lord. It's so easy to lose hope when we get all caught up with all the fear-mongering that's going on out there in the world right now and all the liberal woke lunacy that is being pushed upon us that we're having to deal with today. 
You know, but our cup can overflow through all of this, and, and it should. You know, David wasn't putting his hope in the world around him or what his world was offering him. He said in verse 6, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. <laughs> That's incredible. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. He was acknowledging something. He was acknowledging that he had a goodly life and a glorious property coming to him from the Lord. But he wasn't just waiting for it. He was living there right now in a dim, dark, dingy old cave thinking that he's going to die. He had it right at that moment. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at the, my right hand and I shall not be moved. You know, David was destined for the throne. He knew that. And yet, he wasn't on the throne. In fact, he didn't have to be on the throne uh, to believe in what God had promised him and to celebrate in it right where he was at just as if he had already received it. He was looking forward to something better because he had a right to because he was in lineage to the king. But I want to say, but right there in the cave, he was just celebrating for what he had right there, right in that cave. So in other words, when David kept the world out of his mind and kept the Lord and his blessings on his mind, his heart was glad and his glory rejoiced and it rested in hope. I want to tell you something. This church is overflowing, is living in the overflow. I don't know if you understand that. You have to be outside of this church, come from a different church or come from a different area to come in and come in there to see what you have. Don't take it for granted. You have the ability right here in Schenectady and Albany area to really make a big difference because God is here and he's really working here and he's working in a in a wonderful way here that me and my wife have enjoyed uh, these weeks of coming here. I believe this was the precious secret, really, that Spurgeon was talking about that so many fail to see. That Jesus is everything you could ever want or hope for, right? And you have him right here. And he's the one, if you keep your eyes on him, that's going to keep you glad. It's going to keep your heart resting in his promises. You're going to be at peace. He said his heart was glad and, and his glory rejoiced, right? Right there, having a little prayer service, a little rejoicing service, a little worship service right there in a the cave all by himself. How, how many of you remember the first time that you saw the light? Seriously, how many of you remember the first time that you saw the light? Wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday, seeing the light is that moment. Here it is that you step out of the darkness, even if you're in darkness, and for the very first time, everything you were searching for in life is right there at your disposal in Jesus Christ. And that can be anywhere, at any time, in any place, whether it's bright, dark, whether you're sick, healthy, whether you're wealthy or poor, it doesn't really matter. Yes, we all know Jesus is the reason for the season, but... What many don't know is no matter what the season or the event that we're in, we're, we can celebrate because Jesus is our hope. In fact, he's our only hope. David was in the shadow of death when he said, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Think about that. Even if Saul prevailed in killing him, David knew that God would not leave him in the grave. 
And then God would use that statement to inspire us and to prophetically utter the words that, uh, about Jesus that thine holy wood would not see corruption because he rose Christ from the, gra- or from the grave. It was, it was all about the resurrection, but David was talking about himself. So the body we die in will decompose, but, God, but because of Christ, the body we will live in forever will be incorruptible. I think about that funeral the other day. I'm sure her body was hurting when she took her last breath. It ain't hurting anymore. It ain't hurting anymore. Thou will show me the path of life, David says, and thy presence is the fullness of joy in thy right hand. There are pleasures for evermore. You see, Jesus is not only the way of eternal life, my friends, and the blessed hope we're looking forward to, but his followers. Now, listen to me, because this is the point or the truth of the whole message that I want you to have. But his followers, both now and forever, can overflow with blessings. Right now, I will, if you follow my ministry page on, on Friday, I posted this. I have a ministry page. It's, uh, the easiest way to get there is just go to lordsaveme.org and then punch the Facebook page, and it'll bring you right to my ministry Facebook page. And I post things here and there and try to keep people aware of what's going on in, in my own life. But I, I posted this, and I said, for the most part, I've been living a dream, fulfilling my calling for over 35 years. But like with all dreams, some dreams don't end well. Some people you thought you could trust turn against you. Uh, Some people you helped turn around and try to hurt you. Some events you go through were never planned or expected or hoped for. I call it the ebb and and flow of life. In fact, um, Mike, when he gave that prayer request just before he took the offering, that's what gave me the confirmation to go ahead with this message because pastors, uh, <laughs> Sunday school lesson this morning, give me a message. I said, I'm going to get there and preach that right now. And I said, no, I better not do that and change everything that God put on my heart. Life is not always easy, is it? Nor is it always pleasurable to go through. But there's one thing I do because of the hope I have, and it helps me follow through in whatever God sends me in the day ahead of me. And so every morning, this is what I do. Every morning, the first thing I do is I look at the cross and I thank him for it. Now, I want you to think about something. When I look at that, by doing this, it changes my perspective and attitude for the entire day. Here's what I mean. It's at that moment that I look at that cross and I'm reminded that in the day ahead of me, I don't deserve to be treated royally or fairly, or with kindness. I don't deserve to live with good health, or with great wealth, or without suffering for myself. I'm reminded at that moment that I'm not entitled to any blessings, or any rewards, or uh, the cross reminds me I'm not in any way deserving of peace, or privileges, or possessions, or positions, or protection, or people's affection. It's when I, listen to me, it's when I look at that cross that I know the day ahead of me is a gift of mercy just to live it and a gift of grace just to be able to live it for Him. And, and when, I, when I do that, it changes my whole perspective. Uh, uh, this keeps my eyes off myself. It keeps my eyes on to Him because like Pastor eloquently oh, said today, it's really not about us. It's about giving all the glory to Him. 
so I can enjoy the journey of that day with Him wherever I am. So this gives me every reason to love everyone, every day, every place God sends me, and to accept every struggle that He decides to bring my way or allow to come my way. Looking at Him on that cross helps me not get caught up in the world that's cursed and collapsing around me, but rather to get caught up into His love that saved me and that surrounds me and that secures me all the way to the day that I go home to be with Him. The most wonderful thing about this psalm, I believe, is the cup. That's what got a hold of my heart that morning, is the cup. You can live this life with your cup full of sorrows, or you can live it running over with the blessings of God. I have written a track called My Cup Cafe, and that's why I was using the title. I have yet to uh, get it printed, but it emphasizes the fact that Jesus can fill your cup with blessings no matter where you're at in life or what you've went through in life. That's the cup God created. Now listen to me, for you to drink. You may think, well, my cup's been full of sorrow and full of pain and full of suffering. You know, that's because of the sin curse. But the cup he intended for you was a cup that was going to overflow with blessings. You know, I'm a blessed man, I know that. I have 17 grandchildren, four children, 17 grandchildren. Just got to see uh, eight, or what is it, six, eight of them uh, just this past week, and I got uh, five, or three, four, five of them here in Albany, and another eight down in uh, Pensacola. I know that God has blessed my life. Now, you may feel God has forsaken your cup, and it's too much to, to bear, I guess, but He is a God who is rich in mercy and who loves, to, loves you dearly. And he wants to fill your cup to overflowing with Christ, especially during a season like this. Jesus paid our sin penalty by drinking our cup of God's wrath against us and our sin to satisfy God's wrath against us. I mean, that was quite a cup to drink. He said, you know, if he told the Father, if you can take this away from me, but nevertheless thy will be done. But he also drank it to give us a life that is beyond blessed and a future that is worth living for, that's very bright. God's children are definitely blessed throughout their lives. Do you agree? Say amen. If you agree, I mean, if you really agree, that should be coming off your lips every day, right? We're living a life that is truly blessed. The problem isn't God's willingness to bless us. The problem is so many People, including God's children, don't know the blessings they're missing because of the cups they're living in. In other words, because of empty cups. You know, the Bible tells us we have a heavenly Father who wants to shower us with blessings, both now and forever. And too many people, including many Christians, aren't content with the cups they have. And and here's what's happened to them. Their cups are unclean. And they're unfilled. And many of their cups are unused. They're nowhere near running over with the blessings. You know, when David was uh, in Psalm 23, he says, my cup runneth over. God meant that for us today. That's the most favorable psalm ever repeated. And everybody loves that psalm. It's, I mean, uh, we, we say that at every funeral, but I want to tell you something. It's an incredible psalm. 
He says, my cup runneth over. So herein lies the truth, right? God not only expects Christians to be living with their cups full, but overflowing. Overflowing. Uh, we are supposed to be living beyond our capacities and capabilities in the overflow of the Lord's portion of the cup that he has given us. Your cup was not made just to be filled. It was made to overflow. And for some of us, we haven't even let God fill it. In God's economy, now think about this. In, oh, my, it's almost noontime already. In God's economy, the more we empty ourselves, as he did for us, the more God fills our cups. Amen. So the rate of the overflow is in direct proportion to the rate of depletion. Now I want you to think about this, and I'll try to get through these next, I've got a little ways to go yet, but bear with me, please. The Lord has made your cup in such a way that the more you empty it, the more blessings you're going to get from it. Now think about what the Bible teaches us. And you all know it. The more you give, what? The more you receive. How about this? The more you love, the more you will be loved. I like this one. The more friendly you are, the more friends you will have, the Bible says. Or the more, uh, the more you bless others, the more others will bless you. Now that's the cup that we have to have. If we want this church to really grow and really make an impact, that's how we have to live. The question is, what's the inside of your cup look like? Is it unclean? There are things that need to be removed from it. Is it unfilled? Because all you're doing right now is just complaining about what's going on around you. Or is it unused? You're just living the world. Calling yourself a Christian, but not living like a Christian. Is your cup half empty? Barely used? And most of the time sitting in a cupboard someplace on a, on a shelf? Or is it overflowing? When David said, my cup runneth over, God thought God was through him and the symbolism of that cup revealing to us and reminding us of three secrets, and I want to give them to you right now, and we're done. He was, he was reminding us of three secrets that most people don't even understand that they have. And I really believe that's what Spurgeon was talking about when he said the psalm of the great secret. Number one, secret number one, now listen to me clearly. The portion of your cup can be an overabundance of blessings. For everyone in this room, everyone within my voice, I'm telling you this truth that God promises, that the portion of your cup can be an overabundance of blessings. You know, I, I got, I've been blessed, you've been blessed, and we can say, oh, Lord, bless me here and bless me there, but he can bless you beyond anything that you can imagine. In other words, the portion of blessings you can have in Jesus Christ is far more than you can use. It's far more than you can give away. Um, the blessings I can achieve on my own are at best just temporary or um, value, uh, eventually valueless. So they will one day run out when God blesses, it's always more than we can use up. And whether you have a little or a lot to give, God promises to make it abound to an overabundance if you'll just give it all to Him. 
That's all. Just give it all to Him. Those who love to give to God love to bless God. I, I learned that a long time ago when I was struggling about tithing and things like that when, my first, when I first got saved. And I realized it's not about me and what I'm giving. It's about blessing God. And when I give like He's asked me to give, He just knows how much I love Him. I mean, if you're going to bless God, you've got to be a giver. That's all there is to it. He's an abundant giver, our God is. So those that live in the overflow live in the abundance of blessings because they're givers. You know, they're, they're giving while they're living because then they're knowing where it's going. I used to say that to our church. They're giving while they're living and then they're knowing where it's going. They live to give for Jesus' sake because they know it blesses God's heart to be able to pour out more blessings on them. It's not that you're doing it for the blessings that are coming for you. You're doing it for the blessings that you're sending to Him. Amen? Is everybody with me so far? Here's the second secret. The portion of your cup can be an overindulgence of joy. An overindulgence of joy. Uh, in other words, I could not be more happier than I am with Jesus. It's just not possible. I'm almost giddy. I'm almost giddy over what I have in him. <laughs> I was at uh, pastor's house yesterday. He, he, where I was going to meet him there when I... And they weren't there yet. Him and his wife were out to breakfast and they were coming back. So I went inside and I walked in and Grayson saw me. Now Grayson's sitting there and I'm coming down the hallway and he saw me. He gave me a smile worth a thousand blessings. And he just smiled and his head was going back and forth. And uh, I mean, it was just, it, it just brought just so much joy to my heart. I can't tell you how much that blessed my heart that day. Pastor's a blessing too, but that got me better than him, I'll tell you. <laughs> it just got a hold of my heart when he did that because he doesn't know me. He really doesn't. He just has heard of me. But because I was a visitor to come into the house, he was just so happy. He was giddy. Uh, we bless God's heart when we're overexcited about Jesus Christ. And our want for him in our lives is almost giddy. You know, when your focus changes from the joy you have in Jesus Christ to the happiness you think you need or could get from this world, your cup is running dry. And Jesus said, you know, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not spending time in this book, I'm telling you, these things he spoke to you so you have an overabundance of joy. You know, just do the things he's asked and you'll be happy, he says. You'll be more than happy, more, than, more happy than anything that you could receive in this life. One of the greatest compliments a Christian can receive is when someone says to them, I really enjoy being around you. Ever had somebody say that to you? Just recently I had somebody say that to me. I just really like being around you. I don't know why. And I said, I don't know why either. But, but, but in reality, I do know why. Because I care about him. And I'm just so, in, I don't know, enamored with Jesus Christ that sometimes it just comes off of me, I guess, and I don't even understand that it's happening. In Nehemiah 8, verse 10, it says... Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy, 
and unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what Nehemiah and Ezra were trying to do with the people? Along with the Levites and the priests, they were encouraging everyone who were weeping to get over themselves and to rejoice again in the blessings of God. To get over ourselves, get over themselves, and then, then return again to rejoicing in the blessings of God. They lost their joy. You know why? Because they had lost their focus on God. They lost their need to return and drink from his cup again. Because if they would do that, what Nehemiah was saying is that your joy is going to return even in the situation you're in, nation. The overflowing cup is symbolic of an overabundance of blessings and an overindulgence of joy. And the third thing and lastly is this. The portion of your cup can be an overconsumption of satisfaction. His well never runs dry, but you have to drink at that well. And when you drink at his well, you can't consume it all. Everything God is and God does is more than we need. It's more than we can consume. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God, Psalm 36. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of pleasures. How many of you like Thanksgiving Day? It is my favorite holiday. But I always end up sick at the end of the day. <laughs> I, I, I'm reminded of Thanksgiving Day with this, with this point, right? The food's always so good and there's always more than I can consume. But it never fails. I try every year to out-eat what God provides. And get so stuffed that I can't move. I can't even enjoy the pie that's coming. I have to wait till like four hours later before I can get a piece of pie down in my stomach. Do you know that Psalm 23, 5 says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Do you know with Jesus Christ my cup runs over with satisfaction? Uh, if your cup does not produce an overconsumption of satisfaction, you're drinking from the wrong cup, my friends. God wants you to be satisfied with what he has given you in Jesus Christ, that it will overflow, just absolutely overflow onto others. So much so, now think about this, so much so, now I'm done, now listen to me, so much so that they actually feel more satisfied just being around you. Because you're at peace and they're struggling with something. Is there such a thing as having an overblessed, overjoyed, and oversatisfied life? There sure is. There absolutely is. It's found in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you, have you received Him? Because when you do, you have that cup. To have Christ and all that His cup offers, right? All you got to do is repent of your sin. That just means a change of mind turning from your unbelief and turning to him and, and giving your life to him and saying, Lord, give me that cup. Give me that cup. How about this? 
for the rest of us that, aren't, that are saved. Now, there may be somebody unsaved. You need to give your life to Christ this morning. I'll let the pastor give the invitation on that. But how about the rest of us? Is there any such thing as an overblessed, overjoyed, and oversatisfied Christian? There cer- certainly is, right? Listen to, uh, uh, it's the Christian who's living in the overflow. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now here's the appeal. And I'm done. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. What he was in effect saying was, you cannot partake or participate with the things of this world and expect to have fellowship with God or receive the blessings of God. Although he does bless everybody. You're going to be sadly disappointed and with the result, if your cup, listen, you, if your cup's partaking in the world and thinking, well, I'll just keep one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity, and then I'll make everybody happy, but it doesn't make God happy. You can't have both. You can live and drink out of the portion of the cup the devil gives you, and you're going to end up unfilled. You're going to end up unsatisfied. You're going to end up unhappy with the results. Or you can live in the portion of the cup Christ wants to give you by faith and be overflowing with blessings and joy and satisfaction. You know, it's really up to you. Now here's, the, here's my appeal. I want this church, this church's cup, to spill over this entire Albany area in 2022. Like it's never done before. I believe revival's on its way. I believe it all my heart. I don't see how it cannot be on its way with what we're going through right now. These are dark times. But I, I I want us to be over all of us and who's ever living, uh, around us or or who's ever listening i should say would uh to this message i want your cup each of you personally to run over onto everyone you meet so that they cannot ignore or reject jesus christ's offer that's the way that's the most important thing message we should have about christmas that when he sent jesus he sent him to save us so that we could be his servants and spread this joy throughout all the nations of the world. Little as much when God is in it. Amen? Amen? So let's invite God to get in it. Let's ask Him to fill our cups. Do you wish to be living in that overflow? Who would say, I wish to be living in that overflow? Amen. Who would be willing to raise your hand, point to God and say, Lord, I'm telling you, fill my cup. Amen. Fill my cup. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us the blessings, Lord, that you have given us that we take for granted and yet are so available to be used over and over and over again to bless others. Lord, I want to be in that portion. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.